got a question, the voices are rising, I hear. Plastics is an SBE sponsored podcast. Hey, Lindsay. Oh, how is it going on this? Well, it's rainy for me. Is it rainy for you? It is rainy for me as well. Yes. Okay. It's world rainy. Well, it's almost like we're in the same time zone. It. Let's pretend we're in the correct time zone, Eastern. Um, <laughs> so uh, I'm Mercedes Landazri. And I'm Lindsay Neville. Uh, and with our powers combined, we are Plastics. Plastics. The voices of resin. You're getting so good at that. I'm almost kind of impressed with us. <laughs> um, so uh, Lindsay uh, is well. I'll tell. I'll let you tell the people what your what your <laughs> what your your daily job is. No, I really was uh, hoping you would. Um, so I am an upstream quilt engineer at Cytiva. Uh, I don't know what I do yet because I haven't started technically. So congratulations. You quotey stuff. <laughs> And I am a technology director at uh, Peacock Colors and uh, work closely with our plant uh, up in Sheboygan as well, Vortex Liquid Color. Um, uh, within SPE, I'm a counselor for color and appearance division and immediate past chair of recycling division. Oh, yeah. I guess I am the vice president of membership engagement for the executive board. Of the <laughs> yeah, you're kind of a big deal. Kind of a big deal. <laughs> so we met through the plastics industry. Um, we uh, immediately were, were drawn to each other because we um, we kind of look different and talk different than a lot of the people that, that, uh, that we knew in the industry and, um, became best friends and, and nemeses mm-hmm. and, uh, <laughs> and decided to start this podcast where we talk about all things plastic. Um, and, uh, uh, just so we could hang out more and talk more and learn more. Love a good excuse. So you can find us uh, anywhere you get your podcasts, iTunes or Apple, po- whatever, all the podcast places, all the podcast places, just Type in podcasts and plastics. <laughs> or just for spe.org uh, slash podcasts. And you can also follow us on Instagram and Facebook. I mean, the Facebook one was kind of like a oh, byproduct of Instagram. I know. Twitter, all the places. But enough about us. Enough about us. Who do we have on today? Uh, so very exciting today. We have Dr. Krista Armit. Um, he is the president of Phantom Plastics and uh, the author of The Plastics Paradox. So welcome. Hi, Hi ladies. Thanks for inviting me. Thanks for joining us. So, yeah, um, we're excited to have you on. I mean, we've seen you um, bopping around on LinkedIn and Twitter. Well, I don't know if Twitter. To be perfectly honest, I don't know Twitter. Um, LinkedIn. But we always, you know, see your posts on LinkedIn, see your comments on LinkedIn. Um, and we're excited to uh, get into this chat today. So you, I, I think the big thing that has kind of, um, you know, your name associated to it is your book. And um, I guess let's start at the beginning. Why write this book? What what brought this about? And kind of give us that foundation of what this book is all about. That's a good question. Yeah. So I've only written one book before and I have to be really angry to write a book because it takes so much energy, right? It's Love just it. horrible. Uh, you should try it. Well, you shouldn't try it. It's just, <laughs> I would it's have just a lot of books. I have a lot of anger. It's an, it's an awful, it's an awful ordeal and you have to be passionate about something. And ironically, it wasn't passion about plastics that made me uh, want to write a book. Um, it was passion about the truth. So my daughters came home from school one day from uh, the elementary school here and they told me what they'd learned at school. And they've been told that plastics take hundreds of years to degrade. And, um, you know, that's just scientifically wrong. Um, if you take a plastic bag, for example, 
you know, scientists have done this experiment. You put it outside and it falls to pieces in less than a year. So they're off, not just by a little bit, it's just massively off. So um, I've been on 60 Minutes with Scott Pelley talking about this degradation of plastics within the body. You know, this is one of my specialist areas where I've read hundreds of scientific articles. So I knew 100% this was just a lie. And um, I thought, first I was angry. I thought, how can my teachers, I'm paying insane property tax to pay teachers to teach my kids lies. And then I thought, well, you know, teachers, they're just people like us, right? They just see stuff on social media. They pick up stuff online. They're not plastics experts. How are they supposed to know? So then I thought, um, well, somebody better tell them the truth. So and no one else was doing it. So that's where my quest began. I started reading uh, the, the degradation part I already had down because it's one of my areas. But then people would ask me about litter and waste and microplastics and so forth. So I had to read about 2,000 scientific articles to get all the, all the facts. Um, and that's a point to make because usually when people want to defend a point, let's say you wanted to defend a point, you go and cherry pick two articles, you put them up on a website and say, there you go. There's my evidence, right? But if you're a real scientist, you have to go and read everything. You don't try and defend your point. You try to really see everything that's available. And that's why it took so long. Uh, and then after you've read the evidence, then you make up your mind. So it's a heck of a lot more work that way, but you come to a better um, conclusion. Yeah, um, I know the current SBE president, uh, Jason Lyons, he said, you know, part of the reason he's so involved in SPE is because, you know, he wants to create this environment where his kids aren't coming home because he had the same, you know, scenario. His kids came home and said, you know, Daddy, why are you in like a bad industry? And he's like, whoa, <laughs> that yeah. is not the truth. <laughs> I've talked to three major companies in the last three months, and they did employee surveys and found that their employees are ashamed to work for them. Oh, and it's wow. so unnecessary. They should be proud because if you look at the data, the plastics industry is doing more than anyone to protect the environment. But that's mm -hmm. not the online narrative that we're all fed. So um, that's a problem. You shouldn't have people ashamed of their jobs if there's no need for it. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, actually, that, now that you mention it, I, I'd seen something. Um, uh, I, actually, I think it was it was. Um, the um, from IRG that he had sent the article last week oh, yeah, yeah. Um, about how Coca-Cola was once again named by Greenpeace as like the, the most um, uh, the biggest plastics polluter, <laughs> whatever. Right. It's like, well, Coca-Cola really like, well, if they're doing PET bottles, I'm pretty sure, you know, it gets recycled a lot more than, yeah. <laughs> than a lot of the other plastics out there. But, um, but yeah, it's, um, it's pretty wild. Some of the narratives. So, um, so what do you see as the most uh, misquoted plastics myth? There are so many of them. And if you go to plasticsparadox.com uh, and scroll down, I try to address all the myths. So it will say, question, was there really a straw up a turtle's nose? Or um, do we really eat a credit card's worth of plastic a week? So I try to address all of them there. And then, of course, I quote actual, it's not just my opinion, I give sources that uh, refute whatever it is that these people have made up. Um, but the worst one probably is... Um, the myth that plastics create a waste problem. Uh, I was recently doing some work and I found out, I was reading a book, I turned a page and it showed that plastics are less than 1% of the materials we use. And I was shocked, right? Because we're so obsessed with plastic, nobody comes back and looks at the whole picture, the holistic view. And when I realized that plastics are less than 1% of all the materials we use, I was literally shocked. And then I did some further digging and I found out that plastics are also less than 1% of the waste we create. So wow. it makes me wonder why is 100% of the money being spent and 100% of the attention on something which is less than 1%. It would be like me going home, tidying my cutlery drawer and expecting the rest of the house to clean itself, right? Obsessing about 1% of something can never solve your problems. So that's probably the biggest one that I see. And uh, on the 
in the book, I also mentioned that um, there's a peer-reviewed study that proves plastics have massively reduced waste, right? So the waste going to landfill and total waste production has gone massively down because of plastics for the simple reason it takes three or four pounds of other material to replace one pound of plastics. And if you don't believe me, go home and weigh things yourself, right? A, a paper straw weighs two grams, plastic straw weighs one gram. A uh, paper bag from Kroger weighs 60 grams, their plastic grab bag weighs five and a half grams, right? So you, this is not like some wild speculation from me. It's been proven by scientists and you can check it in your own kitchen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, my, uh, my sister's actually lives in um, just over the border in New York and I'm in Pennsylvania. And they've actually banned um, plastic bags from their grocery store. So I I take mine and instead of recycling them, which I was doing, um, I actually sneak them covertly into New York. So I have a uh, plastic bag smuggling ring, if anyone needs yeah, to. <laughs> there you go. Um, which is insane because it, you know, it, it is, it's like you're saying, it's just one of those blanket, you know, band-aid. Yeah. For those of you listening to this, I said that in quotation marks. Um, <laughs> solutions. It's not actually so. If you're putting the bandaid on your knee and your foot is cut off, so um, it's all. No, that's one of the. I think that one is probably one of my. I think that riles me up probably the most. Yeah, yeah. The well, it's it's just maddening. I I have gotten into way too many conversations at the checkout, <laughs> at the checkout line of the grocery stores. What um? It, so it what? Ask me which paper or plastic, and I say plastics, please. It's better for the environment. Yeah. And uh, sorry to interrupt you, uh, Mercedes, but and- um. Bags is the worst case of all, right? Because if you were to do an LCA, uh, look for LCA grocery bag, right? Just type it into Google. And you, I found 25 life cycle analyses on bags and plastics win every single one ever done in any country in the world, in Sweden, in Denmark, in America, in Canada, in Australia, in Singapore, just a couple of weeks ago. There's 25 studies peer reviewed by scientists and everyone says that replacing plastic bag bags dramatically increases harm. So you'd have to be Either if you're a politician and you voted for that, you'd either have to be too lazy to check the facts, too stupid to understand the facts or too corrupt to care about the facts. And that's really brutal. But that's the truth, because anyone with Google can find the answer in, in 10 seconds or you can go to my website and see that and download the lifecycle analyses. So that's really egregious. Right. These people who are getting paid to make good decisions are not even checking the facts when they're readily available. Right. Right. Yeah. And I mean, and part of it, too, is is finding good information, because, as you said, you can cherry pick articles. that right. have <laughs> Right. And that's that's what I said um, earlier. Right. When it comes to life cycle analyses, if I wanted to defend plastics, I'd go and find one that concluded plastics were the, the greenest solution. I'd stop there. But I didn't. I found 25. And that's more than anyone in the world has. I guarantee you I've showed that to other companies. Even Dow are shocked that I found that many life cycle analyses on bags. And their job is to sell polyethylene to make plastic bags. And they, they've come nowhere close to that. Wow. So I found everyone and they all agree. And then I sent it to a life cycle analysis expert because that's not my area to make sure um, that the conclusions were correct. So how long, how long did it take you to, to research and write the uh, research for and, and write the book? The book I was on about uh, maybe 500 hours and about 500 articles, something like that. Wow. And then, but I didn't stop there. I wanted to get the book out because it's so timely and I wanted to cover these things and to be honest, just get the pain over with. Uh, once I had a complete story and I had enough to cover each topic, but I've got about four times more information now. It's the largest collection in the world. And um, yeah, so I'm proud of that. People are shocked. I mean, professional sustainability people with uh, you know millions of dollars in budget are shocked that I've got more than their whole group has got. Mm-hmm. 
Mm-hmm. So um, I maybe no. I'm a bit obsessive about it, but you know, I'm a <laughs> you're so mad. Like, you're right. so mad about the <laughs> truth. That, that's how angry I am. Exactly. <laughs> so with um, you know doing all this research and you know looking into all these um, you know peer reviewed studies, what was the the most surprising fact that you were able to uncover? You know, maybe one that you were kind of like, well, I think I know that, but it w- turned out even plastics was even better, or you know, something along right. <laughs> Well, initially, my biggest surprise was this one that plastics are actually half a percent of the materials we use. That was absolutely shocking. And I, you know, it's a cliche, but I almost fell out of my chair. My whole world rocked when I saw that and thought, my my God. But what became even more um, shocking was that the environmental groups are doing more to harm the environment than anybody else on the planet. Wow. I mean, I can literally prove that they're systematically telling lies just to get donations. They will say anything that sounds scary to get us to open our wallets. And I can prove that because if I look at, uh, I've got a presentation online. And if you look at all the advice they give us about any topic, about dust, about turtles, about bags, about uh, whales, about um, anything you can, about straws, anything you can name, in every single case, they give the wrong advice, the scientifically proven wrong advice. Um, So they're more about, and there's even people defecting now from these green groups. If you read, um, there's a book called Confessions of a Greenpeace Dropout by Patrick Moore, one of the founders of Greenpeace. And he left, he said he was the last scientist there. They were just money grabbers and he couldn't stand it anymore. So he left and he wrote two books showing what money grabbing uh, corrupt people they are, according to him. I'm not accusing them myself, but... Um, according to him, imagine how gut-wrenching it is to leave something that started off with good intentions and when it morphed into this money-grabbing machine to have to leave and then expose them. And there's there's other books. There's one by Bjorn Lomborg, um, False Alarm, and there's another one by Michael Schellenberger, which which is called um, Apocalypse Never. And these are other ones where prominent environmentalists have left their groups and said these guys are just money-grabbing mythomaniacs. Mm-hmm. Is the, is there a an environmental group that um, that you you've found that is is doing the right thing? I'm sure there are, but I haven't looked into it. I've only looked into the ones the nor- ones that normal people run into. So, for example, the World Wildlife Fund has a page that says that plastic straws last for hundreds of years, and it's a it's a lie, right? It's just untrue. Mm-hmm. And they, of course, they give no evidence. So, um, so I wrote to them like five times. I've contacted people from there several times, and they have no interest in changing their page. So. Anyone could be wrong about something, but if a professional scientist contacts you and says, here's 10 pieces of evidence that proves you're wrong, you've got no evidence on your side, please update your webpage, and they have zero interest in doing it, Hmm. that kind of shows where their motives are. Mm -hmm. Well, if anyone is listening to us out of spite because they don't like plastics and you are a good environmental group, contact us. I'm sure they are. We'll probably look for one one that doesn't make as much money and they're probably still on the justice. (laughs) So how do you how do you um, how do you combat that? How do you deal with that? You know that that you're reaching out to these groups and trying to help them, trying to inform them, um, and and I mean, do you what what kind of response are you typically met with? Is it just crickets or is it curiosity? Have you changed? Have it, like does anyone get credit for listening? Um, in general, if I were to look at uh, environmental groups, the ones I've contacted have had zero interest. They have no interest in the environment, as far as I can tell. Wow. Um, and uh, so that's sad. When it comes to the general public, it's an interesting split. So I've had, as you said, tens of thousands of interactions on LinkedIn. So if I were to take a guess, I would say about 10% of people actually care enough to go and read 
the facts and go and look at the evidence, even a few minutes, right, to go to my website, see the peer reviewed, this is not coming from me, this is peer reviewed scientific studies from around the world, thousands of them, and you can link to them and you can go and check every word I said, and it's all in quotation marks, right, because I literally copy and paste from the studies, so there's no spin on it. Um, so there are about 10% of people care enough to do that. Um, and then the vast majority of people, so and there's another 10% who are just rabid lunatics, right, who are, you know, it's like a religion for them. It wouldn't matter what, what facts you show them they would just be against plastics mm-hmm. uh, and then there's a bunch of people in the middle who don't really care that much they're kind of a virtue signaling so they're out there claiming to be against plastics only be like a sheep right they're doing it um, just because that's what's in vogue right now they look good to their friends but they don't actually care enough to check the facts so that's that seems to be about how it breaks down from what i see so i've got to resign myself to the fact that i'm only ever going to reach about 10 percent of people who actually care enough and uh, about facts to to look yeah, I remember it was like a an interaction, I think maybe on Facebook when I still went on there, but it was so he had posted uh, something about, um, oh, this this is actually a fact that, that facts don't change people's minds. Stories are the things that actually right. convince people and change people's minds. And somebody immediately after that commented like, nope, that's not true. <laughs> And I was like, this is the fact that you're that you're like demonstrating for proving that. Yeah. yeah, it's absolutely true. I mean, even one of the famous Nazis said, um, if you repeat a lie big enough enough times, people will believe it. And that's mm-hmm. been scientifically proven. You can you can just make something up and say it again and again, and even smart people will believe it after a while. Right. And that's the problem. Our industry has allowed this to happen. The uh, Coca-Colas of the world, all the rest of them, have sat on their hands for five years, allowed lies to be spread, and now we're fighting against the tide because people have already made up their minds based on fiction. Mm-hmm. And at one point I want to make, because sometimes people say, why should we believe you? You know, you're saying something the opposite of what we've heard before. And I would... I would uh, so I was thinking about this before the podcast, and I would liken it to hearsay in a let's say you have a trial, right? And and somebody will say he's guilty, right? I saw him, and and then the judge will say no, that's hearsay, that's inadmissible, right? Because there's no evidence for it. You don't have a picture, you don't have a cor- corroborating witness, you don't have evidence of any kind, right? And so that's the trouble. We have one side who has hearsay; they just make up stuff like a, a straw lasts five hundred years. And then we've got another side that has thousands and thousands of peer-reviewed articles where you can go and check it yourself. So that's that's the difference. There are two sides, and one of them has the evidence, and the other one doesn't. So in a court case, you know, you know which side will win. And so I want to make that point to the to the viewers um, to be wise enough to look at the evidence and see which side has the best evidence. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a good point. So. You know, talking about this, I mean, obviously people have, you know, a responsibility on there and, um, you know, because while plastics is usually the greener option, um, you know, you also have to be responsible with (laughs) with it. Um, So if, if you were creating a better loop system for PET, for example, where would you start? Um, You know, whether that be from the design aspect, the, you know, um, corporation aspect, the personal, the municipalities, where would you start? What needs to be the biggest fix, I guess, really? (laughs) EET is a good example because um, it is already successfully recycled in huge amounts in some countries. So I know the UK, for example, is thinking about a deposit return system and they're arguing about whether it works, which is really foolish because Norway has been operating one for for years and years, right? They get 97% return of the bottles because they... The, the trouble with plastic is it's too cheap, right? 
So nobody's throwing gold and silver and diamonds away, right? These are the worst things in the world for the environment. Gold, diamonds, platinum, palladium, they're awful, right? And these are, and because they're so bad for the environment, because they take so much water and chemicals and energy to make, they're incredibly expensive and we never throw them away. Plastic is on the other side. So, so cheap things tend to be green and expensive things tend to be bad for the environment. So here's, there's an irony, right? Plastics are so green and so cheap that we just throw them away and don't think about it. So that's why you need this deposit system. You need to assign a value. So throwing away your PET bottles now like throwing away a dollar, right? No one's going to throw a dollar on the floor, no sane person, right? So that's why Norway has 97% collection rate. Each one's recycled 12 times on average. And they have the same system in Germany, it works exactly the same, same numbers, and several other countries as well. Um, so we know how to do it and it is being done. And that's that's part of this thing that, you know, one country has one piece of the solution, one country has another piece. And we need to not just look in our own area and reinvent the wheel again and again. We need to look around the world and see what's already proven to um, to get the job done. Yeah, we interviewed um, Heather McDougall from uh, Bogo Brush a couple of weeks ago, a month ago. I don't know, time has no meeting anymore. <laughs> um, and uh, she said something very similar in that, you know, Plastics is treated so cheaply, but it is one of our most valuable resources. And I thought that was just so like well put because it's like, you're right. You know, we should be treating it with more respect and more value. And, um, and yeah, it's so inexpensive. It's not viewed that way sometimes. Right. Yeah. She had taken, she had taken just one, uh, economic theory, um, and uh, and looked at, you know, I think it was, um, you know, looking at the finite resources. Right. And so she and she used the example of gold. She says it's 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 crazy overvalued, like, you know, 400 times, you know, versus plastics, which is it's just insanely undervalued. Right. Yeah. yeah. And I have numbers on that. So um, how much CO2 is produced to make um, gold? I think it's uh, 25 tons of waste for every third of an ounce of gold and it's cyanide runoff water you know it's it's just horrendous wow. you, can look, you can look that up there's actually an online ticker for how much of environmental damage is being done every minute uh, mining gold uh-huh. um, and what makes it valuable is the same thing that makes it bad for the environment the energy and the water and the pollution all the rest of it so there's an, there's an irony there Gr- yeah. plastics are so green that we throw them away yeah that's 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 a great way to put it but speaking of speaking of metals though um well, why do you think plastics are so easily lumped into one material, whereas most metals are are identified by more specific types? That's a great point. I mean, I teach my daughters because they're unfortunately exposed to me um, uh, how to tell the difference between one piece of plastic and another one. I started teaching them when I was six or seven. I said, right, this is polyethylene. That's polypropylene. But most people don't have wacky parents like me. So, um, you know, if you look at a piece of plastic, they all yeah, look the our same. kids, our kids have wacky parents like well, you. congratulations. I'm looking forward to having a beer with you guys. We're on the same wavelength. So, um, you know, I just teach them these things are different materials. They have different uses. They have different pros and cons. But regular people don't get to learn that. Whereas metals, you know, copper, you'd have to be pretty inept not be, not to be able to tell the difference between copper and steel or or copper and gold if, uh, and so forth. So these are things which look look different, feel a little bit different, have different densities, whereas uh, plastics don't have that advantage. You know, they could be mainly the color gives somebody an impression. Uh, of. Uh, so we, I work with designers when I work for Electrolux Frigidaire and the designers had not one clue about the plastic, right? All they knew was they wanted it to look like this and um, they weren't even aware that you could make the exact same look in three different plastics. So we had to teach them, hey, don't go for the most expensive plastic just because the salesman showed it to you in this glitzy <laughs> color. You know, Never you could have this half price. <laughs> mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And, and I think, I think that's part of the problem. You know, it's easy to say, well, copper is worth, you know, some value. Let's strip all the copper wires or, you know, whatever. And whereas plastic, you're like, you know, I think most people have some idea that some plastics can be, I obviously everything's cycle, but when you're talking, you know, municipality curbside stuff, most people kind of go, okay, I think there are some that can be recycled and some that can't, I don't know. And we were talking to the guys from IRG last week and they were saying, you know, a lot of the problem is you have the people that don't recycle anything because they don't know what can't be recycled. And then you have people that recycle, think they're recycling everything. Recycling, right? The other end of the spectrum. Yeah, and they're putting everything in. Mm-hmm. And, and, you know, it's also that, that plastics are so new, right, compared to those yeah. those other materials, right? Yeah. They, they haven't been around very long at all, 19, 1907, right? That's um, right. But, um, you know, so maybe it is part of, you know, a hundred years, maybe a thousand years from now, will people immediately be able to recognize, you know, the difference, notice the difference between polystyrene and polycarbonate or something like that, you know? I also think uh, I've seen studies because I check everything that I start getting interested in. Uh, I've seen studies where people react differently to a synthetic picture to a real one, right? So if you see a tree and a butterfly, you automatically think, oh, look, look how pretty it is. Or even you see a leaf on the floor, right? That's waste, mm-hmm. right? But we don't go, oh, what an ugly leaf, you know, it looks nice. Mm-hmm. So plastic doesn't have that advantage. We've had these other materials around for so long that they look natural to us in some way. Mm-hmm. Um, whereas a plastic doesn't have that. You have a gut reaction. This is something, you know, this is a contaminant. This is a pollutant. And um, we hmm. view it unfairly. It's a sort of a plastic racism or a plastifo- plastophobicity, whatever it would be called. I like plastophobicity. 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 Yeah, I don't think I can say that twice. And part of it too is, I mean, you know, I've I, I haven't been in in the industry that long, and um, you know, I wouldn't have known just like my son, you know, a couple of years ago when uh, I was asking him, hey, what are some common things that you use all the time that are made of plastic or or what's some plastic in this room? And he was he was wearing, you know, a, a, a polyester shirt. And he was like, no, this shirt isn't plastic. I was like, yes, it is. I was like, here, take it off. Look at the tag. And he was like, yeah, see, it's polyester. I'm like, that's yeah. <laughs> that's plastic. You know, yeah. his mind was blown. You know, yeah. so we don't we don't realize most people don't realize, you know, that our cars are are uh, have a, a ton of plastic in them, you know? Um, yeah. Cars are 10%. I just was looking into this last week, so that's why I have the numbers. 10% of the weight of a car is plastic, but 50% of the volume. Mm -hmm. And if you do the calculation, and I had another expert check this, plastics actually save more oil than they use. So people are always saying plastics use oil and therefore they're bad. Mm -hmm. And the the oil companies want to save themselves by selling more plastics. But if you look into the numbers, because plastics are so light and they save so much weight in, in cars and increase the miles per gallon, you end up saving way more oil than you use to make the plastics overall. Even that savings from cars and boats and airplanes overtakes the whole plastic production, not just that used for cars, but all of it. So um, plastic produce, if, if the oil people wanted to sell more you know, oil, they wouldn't be favoring plastics at all. The other way. And, and it's the same with these plastic bag bans. They've done a lot of studies showing when you ban the bags, you end up selling more plastic. So some guy the other day would say, oh, you would be against black bag bans because you're a plastics guy. And I said, well, actually bag bans increase plastic sales. So if that were my motivation, I would be lobbying for plastic bag bans. Yeah. Yeah. Selling much thicker bags instead of the flimsy ones we get at the supermarket. I was going to say, um, don't people typically go in and then start buying like the garbage bags and stuff like mm-hmm. that and using that? Um, yeah. That's right. Yeah, which is how is that helpful? But <laughs> I talked to a plastic bag company, they make plastic and paper bags, and they said that these 
these bands are fantastic for them, for not, you know, economically, but they're still against them because they're good people and they want to do what's right for the environment. Mm. Oh, yeah, I, I feel like there needs to be like, can you go? On, have you already gone on Sesame Street? Like, I feel like it needs to start like this kind of information. And if you do, can you bring two people along? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. sure. Let's do it. I love that. Actually, you know, I was so angry as I started here about the elementary school and I went and gave a talk for the children. So I took my slides and I made them child, you know, simple for children with simple messages and analogies. I showed a guy, a little cartoon of a guy driving his car into a tree and he's sitting there on the floor scratching his head. And I said, who's responsible for this is it the tree is it the car or is it the person you know and most people even at the age of uh, well eight or something knew that it was the person who was responsible mm. and it's the exact opposite of what we're doing with plastics we're dropping our candy wrapper on the floor and saying hey it's nestle's fault we're dropping our pet bottle on the floor and blaming coca-cola i mean it's absurd if i drive my tree car into a tree i don't call up ford and ask them what to, you know to come and take care of it for me i mean that's my fault and Good. we need to spend more time looking in the mirror and realizing where the real problem is and less time trying to blame materials or companies. Right. Right. But at the same time, it's like, even if people want to do the, um, want to do the right thing, you know, um, uh, I think, uh, Eric, uh, Larson, who, who was one of our first podcast guests, um, you know, he had talked, I I'd, I'd talked to him on the phone maybe a year ago about, um, he can't find a place to, to recycle his plastic bags. You know, this right. is a guy who really, really wants to do the right thing. Um, and is making an effort to, and, and literally nobody around him would, would take them, you know? Yeah. So, and they are recyclable. That's the problem. People say they're not recyclable, but they are recyclable. They're just mm -hmm. not recycled in his location. Right. So, um, that's a terminology problem. That it confuses the public. Yeah, oh yes. I believe, believe me, I, I try to correct our my condo association all the time. <laughs> yeah. Well, I came up with a great analogy. I said to people, if I have a ball, it's kickable, right? I can kick the ball. If I choose not to kick the ball, it's still kickable. The ball didn't change, right? It's the same with recycling. It's a, it's a linguistic and scientific fact that these plastics are recyclable, almost all of them, right? More than mm -hmm. 90%. It's a fact. There's no arguing. I know Greenpeace, I think, are suing Coca-Cola for misleading people right now. And it's just that I hope they lose and I hope they get you know reprimanded in court for bringing a frivolous lawsuit because it's a scientific and linguistic fact that they are recyclable. Um, but back to your question about what uh, people could be doing. That is tr tricky, right? Because you're a regular person. You don't have a PhD in environmentalism. How do you know what's right? and what's wrong so in general we are wasteful where um it's actually part of it's a, it's a good sign in a way you know when you get rich you you can afford to be wasteful poor people are not wasteful so it's actually a good thing in a weird way that we're we're able to waste so much stuff but it doesn't make it virtuous so we should use less stuff we should recycle and reduce all of that stuff but i think people need to change their mindset so my kids and i don't take a straw at all people don't need straws this whole argument about straws is preposterous but if you do take one my daughter reused one a hundred times and there's a guy on the internet who i mentioned this to and now he's up to over 200 times reusing a plastic straw and every use it gets greener uh, of course you can wash it you just stick it in the dishwasher and it's all fine so no one's holding a gun to our heads and making these things single use you can reuse plastic cutlery we reuse plastic spoons for years um you know we've got regular spoons too but you know when we're given a plastic one with an ice cream we just keep it in the drawer and reuse it and it's, mm -hmm. that's a splash of color so i think people are um making a mistake there and um the paper straws, on the other hand, we all know how rubbish they were. That's why they got rid of them. They barely last one milkshake and they're, you know, they're just a soggy mess. So um, that's what makes them less green. I think I could probably write a book just on the paper straws because that's how we're that angry. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's pretty shocking. The straw stuff is really a silly story. I mean, they literally give metal straws to kids at school. My kids got free metal straws at school, and that's about the worst thing you could ever buy from an environmental point of view. Yeah, and honestly, like my kids, like with metal straws, could do a lot of damage just tripping. There was yeah. a death. There was a death actually. Uh, so a lady tripped over and had a metal straw, and it killed her. Yeah, I, I think I read about that back back when when it was the straw bands were all coming up. So, um, tell us what your real job is, and how does that play into your activism, and vice versa. Yeah, that's a funny thing. So my real job is I'm a scientist, right? I help companies uh, to create better plastics, to solve tough problems. And uh, that's where my money comes from. So whenever people see me talking about this topic, they assume that I'm looking for business and the irony. And they're like, oh, yeah, you're just trying to, you know, generate business or whatever. And you're trying to, you know, uh, you've got adverts on your website. And I'm like, no, the website's 100 percent free. There's no commercials. They're like, well, you're selling your book. And I said, no, you can download the book for free. I mean, these people are always arguing on virtue and trying to trip you up somehow. I'm like, no, this is all done for free um, because I believe in the truth, right? And please take a look. So um, my real job is helping people as a scientist. And uh, the irony of it is that as soon as you say you're a plastics expert, people say, oh, well, uh, we can't listen to you, right? You're a plastics expert. And I'm like, well, that's an interesting line of thought. So you won't listen to a plastics expert about plastics. When you have an appendicitis, do you, do you ask a reporter for their opinion? Do you, uh, do you go to the, maybe you go to the hospital and ask to speak to the janitor, right? Because I, God forbid I talk to an actual medical expert, right? So, I mean, and, and the other day on LinkedIn, somebody said, you know, we can't trust a plastics expert to talk about, a plastic scientist to talk about plastics. And I said, well, who should, who should you go to, a dentist? I mean, the whole thought process is so twisted. It's unbelievable. So, um, and when you turn it back on these people, I hope they see just how ridiculous that line of argument is. I mean, would you rather trust a scientist with 30 years of experience and a PhD and so forth who presents evidence you can check yourself? Or would you rather, rather you know, trust some somebody off the street who's trying to lever your wallet out of your back pocket for a donation? I mean, off the street is does make it more interesting. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, let's try that. <laughs> um, so, you know, besides, besides the general public, which we've kind of, you know, discussed... Uh, in great depths here, what industry or public group or, you know, who would benefit from a plastics re-education most? Who needs to sit back and think, okay, this is how you're approaching this problem. You need to step back and kind of actually look at the details and then you can talk to the public again. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. That's a hard one to answer. The first, as you said, is the public, because the public drives everything. There was a recent report by a supermarket executive saying, we know that we harm the environment when we replace plastic. We know that. It's, I can send you a link to it. Major supermarket executives in England said, we know that we harm the environment by replacing plastic, but we have to do it because our customers want it, right? And it's the same with politicians. The po- most politicians will do anything as long as they get a vote, right? Because they're just self-interested. So... Um, it all starts with the public. As long as the public are deceived and they want something that's harming the environment, people will pander to that need, right or wrong. So that so the public has to start there. And if it was to come to a number two choice, I would say it's politicians. Politicians um, have a, a legal and a you know a 
well, in theory, an ethical responsibility to do the right thing. And they've got the budget to do it, right? We're paying them to do the right thing, to look after bigger issues. And so it's shocking to me. I talked to a US senator just last week and I presented these facts to him. And, you know, these people are not aware. It wasn't a criticism of him. He was a good guy and he took my call, which was a miracle in itself, right? Mm. Uh, That a senator would talk to just some guy sitting here on his couch. So that was very good of him. But these people, you know, they're not informed and the people working for them are not informed either. They're just going by the same internet gossip that everyone's relying on. So I think the number two would be politicians to to stand up and um, make sure that when they're making a vital decision that they've got the facts in front of them. And they're all on my website. They're in my book. I'll send any politician a free copy of it signed just so that they can um, start making smarter decisions. Yeah. Yeah. I would, I would agree with that. I think, you know, the politics of it get in the way a lot more, um, you know, if you were to take, Obviously, if you were to take the public out of it and take the politicians out of it, I don't think anyone else would have a problem. You know, I think most people would try and do the the right thing and try and reduce, you know, I, I mean, um, I remember when um, I think it was Nestle started reducing the weight of their um, PET bottles. And um, I had, I think it was one of my aunt's. I don't know. I won't call them out right now because I can't remember exactly who it was. Um, but someone was like, you know, oh, they're doing this. They're, you know, it, it it's so green. And I, and I remember I was like, it is. I said, but also there is a benefit to them as well. They are using less material and selling the right. same product. I said, that's not a bad thing on their end either. Right. And she was like, she's like, no, this is all just this is all for just being green. And I'm like. All right. <laughs> yeah. We won't get in that fight right now. Well, I tell you this, the, t- the public doesn't realize this, but it's down gauging, which is what we call it, you know, in, in our field mm-hmm. is uh, just making things thinner and thinner and lighter and lighter. It's been going on for decades and there are, there are numbers on it. It's, it's dramatic. And it went on long before the environmental stuff was under the spotlight and it, it was done for cost reasons. So you're right about that, <laughs> but it helps everybody. So why not do it? Right. Right. Yeah. So um, I think with that, I'm checking our time. We did good. We got our we got our 30 minutes under our our belt. Um, <laughs> I I really um, I, we really appreciate you you being here. Um, I, I know we can't get into every detail because we would probably just go on forever. And um, you can ask Mercedes. I spiral. I spiral so a lot quickly. when I see some of these you know tweets or LinkedIn Instagram ads. <laughs> the Instagram ads get me all the time. I will I will screenshot it and I send it to Mercedes and I'm, to Mercedes and I'm like, look at this. this is, I know. get those every day. People say, I saw this on LinkedIn. Please make a comment. But I'd like to, to close with saying, I don't care about people hating plastics, right? But hate them based on something that's actually true. That's what I care about, right? If people were hating plastics based on things that were actually true, wouldn't be a problem for me, right? Because I'm a scientist. I want to go with where the truth is. But at the moment, my problem is it's complete fiction. And most people are not even decent enough to go and look at the facts, right? They claim to be virtuous. They claim to care. And yet they don't have 30 seconds to go and look at the facts. And that's pretty lame. So, uh, Either stop claiming to be virtuous or go and check the facts because uh, you'll, you'll get a heck of a surprise when you see them. Yeah. And uh, yeah, Dr. Darman, thank you so much for joining us. Um, and you can definitely check out uh, all of these facts and more on uh, PlasticsParadox.com. Uh, um, put in the show notes. Yeah. Maybe <laughs> we mean not we, but someone will put it in for us. <laughs> and you can download the book for free. Yeah, that's right. Win-win. Yeah. 
All right. Thanks, ladies. Right. You've been All wonderful. Right. I really appreciate so this. Thanks so much. Cheers. Okay. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks so much for listening to Plastics. New episodes appear on the first Friday of every month. Plastics, the Voices of Resin, is a plastics podcast sponsored by SPE, Inspiring Plastics Professionals. If you want to find out more about SPE, please visit for, like the number, SPE.org. Oh, Plastics.